Hello and welcome to Quality Hindu's very first festive chat. I'm your host, Duvarakan. Throughout the year, there are a large number of Hindu festivals and events that we celebrate. So, we thought we would cover some of these in our festive chat series. Now, make sure to hit us up with your ways of celebrating, your perspectives and your questions, either via Instagram at koalityhindu or email koalityhindu at gmail.com. Now, with all that said and done, let me welcome my fellow podcaster, Jonathan. Hey yo, let's smash this episode. Happy Mahashivaratri! That's not a thing. But that is the topic of our very first festive chat. Now, this is a very popular festival that is celebrated widely across India as well as other parts of South Asia, and something that was celebrated every year in our house. So I know every year throughout primary and high school we went to Shivaratri Bhajans, and I know you were much better at staying up than I was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was the celebration that I'm most connected with. As I mentioned in the second episode that we just released, Lord Shiva was the deity or god who I seem to be able to connect with the most of all the Hindu deities. Um, and Shivaratri is in celebration of him, or the story behind it is to do with him. For me personally, I love being at Bhajans and feeling the vibrations whilst everyone was up singing and praying. It was a light night that I looked forward to every year since we were young. It's also where I most connected with Lord Shiva and I believe that's where I really made that connection and understanding that he was a deity I really connected with. I had a moment during one of the Shivaratri Bhajans. And at Shivaratri... There's this energy there that I seem to always really meld with and connect to. I remember driving between budgeons before landing at the one that would be going for the whole 12 hours overnight because I just wanted to keep that energy going as long as I could, even if it was a school night when I was back in high school. And so, yeah, absolutely, like you said, Mahashivaratri budgeons, that was really what I really loved staying up for them and that's why I was... I guess, as you said, better at staying up uh, with them. But it was because that connection was there, that energy really drove me. And it's that celebration that I look forward to every year. But what about you? What was your experience? Well, I guess personally, I associated Mahasharatri with, like you said, the staying up at night and singing bhajans. And I remember for years, we used to always go to someone's house to to do the budgeons. And it was always like this mini challenge for me to try to stay up. And like, to be perfectly fair, I did manage to stay up because of the other co-curricular activities that went on, like playing cards. And maybe I wasn't as much as about that Shiva connection as you were. But as I got older, I think I definitely got better at appreciating the energy that surrounded Mahashivaratri and like you said that energy itself is sort of what got you through the night and it like really somehow hyped you up. Doing research for this podcast I actually learned a lot and reflected a bit more about the rituals that occurred during those bhajans. As some of you may know Shivaratri occurs 12 times a year on the 14th day of the lunar month, 
or the day before the new moon. Of all 12 Shivaratris, the one occurring in February to March is considered to have the greatest spiritual significance and has been termed Mahashivaratri, which translates to the great night of Shiva. I had no idea it happened 12 times a year. It makes sense now because it is before the new moon and I always knew it was before the new moon. I just didn't connect it to the fact that it would be 12 times a year because of that. I always thought about Mahashivaratri as us celebrating it on the darkest night, which was the night before the new moon. I just colloquially referred to it as Shivaratri, not realizing there was a Shivaratri every month. I always saw it as a time of darkness where you connected with Shiva to bring forth energy to conquer the darkness in our minds and cleanse it. So I would meditate and pray for that reason, trying to clear up that darkness. I remember being taught that Mahashivaratri was the night Lord Shiva came down to enlighten the world as it was in Kali Yuga. Kali Yuga being a time of evil and ignorance. And so that's what I always associated Shivaratri with. So I'm actually glad you brought that up. Interestingly, in my research, I actually found that some people think of Mahashivaratri as a celebration of darkness. So as you mentioned, Mahashivaratri occurs on the darkest night of the month and Shiva actually literally means that which is not. So the interpretation from these two things is that what can be seen in our vision is only a small part of the universe with the major proportion being darkness. Now to me, the way I sort of, I guess, reinterpret that again is that Mahashivaratri was a night for us to appreciate everything, not just what we see in the light, but also everything that, I guess, exists in the darkness. Another part to this was that we consider the divine or the God to be omnipresent or pervading. And the one thing in our world that represents these qualities is, is darkness. But this perspective is quite different to the one you mentioned, where we think of divine as light and that also stems from the timing of Shivaratri. Hmm. That gives me something to think about. I had never heard that that way of celebrating Shivaratri before. Because like you said, I've always thought of it as the great darkest night in terms of thinking of it bringing in that light to that darkness. But that's a very interesting take. And like speaking of that like I mentioned earlier, I always used to meditate on Mahashivaratri, and Mahashivaratri is suspicious for meditation. It is considered the most important aspect to experience Shiva's blessings. And the reason I connected it with the darkest night into a new moon, with the moon being light, is because when I meditate, I initially see darkness when you close your eyes, as I'm sure everyone does. But as I meditate, it's completely taken over by light. Like I see the bright, this bright light taking over that darkness. And so that's where that association came from for me. The spiritual significance of Mahashivaratri, those offerings to Lord Shiva to help us get rid of sins and start on a path of righteousness. And that's towards Mount Kailash um, and achieving moksha. Moksha being enlightenment and Mount Kailash being where Shiva resides in Hindu stories. So with that in mind, that again links back to why with the meditation experience I have, I think of it as getting rid of that darkness and inviting light. But to think of it as a celebration of darkness is definitely a much a, a very interesting take that I hadn't realized was also existent. 
to me and to many others, I believe Mahashivaratri is supposed to be a way to liberate ourselves from the cycle of death and rebirth. Yeah, and I think breaking that cycle through enlightenment, that cycle of um, death and rebirth, as you mentioned, it's, I guess, a commonly um, mentioned pursuit in Hinduism. Yeah, absolutely. Somehow we seem to have delved really deep before we even got to story time, which, <laughs> which I feel is like a major part of most Hindu festivals at, because they have some sort of story behind them. Well, then let's get into it. Let's get into the stories. All right, let's do it. It is believed that after the death of Sati, Lord Shiva went into a deep meditation. Sati then reincarnated as Parvati. Therefore, Mahashiratri marks the union of Shiva and Parvati on the 14th day of the dark fortnight in the month of Falguna. It is also believed that Shiva performed the dance of preservation, creation and destruction on this night. Some think of Mahashivaratri as a thanksgiving ceremony. The story talks about a time when Lord Shiva saved the world. He drank and held the poison in his throat instead of swallowing it, which turned his throat blue. From there, the name Nilkantha originated. What about the story of Labdaka or Saswara? Labdaka was a tribal man and a devout worshipper of Lord Shiva. He went to the deep forest one day to collect firewood. He lost his way and decided to spend the night in the jungle atop a bilva tree, which is also a wood apple tree. To stay awake, he plucked the leaves of the bilva and kept dropping them on the ground while chanting Shiva's name. And then at sunrise, he noticed he had dropped a thousand of leaves on a Shiva lingam that had been at the base of the tree that he had not noticed the previous night when he climbed it. Lord Shiva was then so pleased with his devotion and blessed him. And this legend also explains why the popular tradition of offering bilva leaves came about. Wow, it's almost like we planned to end on that story. Because the next part of this podcast was to go into some of the rituals that occur on Mahashivaratri. Well, the Shivalingam Puja was the main ritual of Mahashivaratri. So why don't you start us off there? So yeah, we did the Shivalingam Puja every year, and essentially that's we pour various offerings over the lingam, and each one of the substances has its own significance. So the substances we pour is milk, yogurt, honey, ghee, sugarcane juice, and water, and then we end by applying vermilion paste to the linga. Now, as I said, each of them has its own significance. So let me go through these one by one. So when we pour the milk, it's for blessing of purity and piousness. And we ask Lord Shiva to bless us with these traits. Yogurt is for prosperity and progeny. While we pour the yogurt, we ask Lord Shiva to bless us with a fruitful spiritual life. Honey is for sweet speech. Which makes sense, because I can remember that by thinking of honey as sweet. And when we pour it, we ask Lord Shiva to bless us with compassionate speech. Ghee is for victory. While we pour ghee, we ask Lord Shiva to bless us with courage and perseverance on the spiritual path. Unfortunately, I have no way to associate those two things together. 
Um, so I'll just have to try to remember that. And then sugarcane juice is for happiness. Water is for purity. While we pour water, we ask Lord Shiva to purify us of negative samskaras and vasanas, i.e. negative thoughts and behaviours. Finally, the vermilion paste is applied on the linga after the ritual bath, and this represents virtue. It's interesting to learn about why we offer each of those things. I always knew that we poured so much in the linga, but it's amazing how every single thing, every single offering has a meaning. And every step of that ritual does too. There's a few other offerings that we do on that night, which crosses over with other Hindu rituals, so it isn't specific to Mahashivaratri. But I thought they're worth mentioning. We offer fruits to symbolize longevity and gratification of desires. We burn incense sticks to yield wealth. We light lamps to symbolize attainment of knowledge. And we offer betel leaves to mark satisfaction with worldly pleasures. Now, that was one I didn't quite understand. But I think what that means is being happy with what we have as we strive through that path of righteousness and is saying thank you for that. There's actually one other ritual of significance that I learned from my fiance, which is fasting. And um, fasting apparently is meant to give greater merit to the worship. I guess make your prayer stronger and increase its power. Um, now, this is not something like we, I know we ever did when we were growing up and not something I really heard about. And my fiance is from Gujarat. So maybe this is more of a central Indian or North Indian thing. But I just thought that that's something fascinating that was new to me. And yeah, like I said, something we've never done. Yeah, that is a new, interesting tradition, a new tradition to consider doing, um, if, especially if it's supposed to kind of increase that power of prayer. So definitely something that I might put some thought into as well. So, where to from here? That is actually the end of our first ever festive chat. Short and sweet cheat sheet for those who want a refresher on Mahashivaratri before they hit the temple or prayer room to venture down the path of righteousness. Listeners, we hope you gained something from this and please don't forget to let us know your thoughts. Until next episode, Quality Hindu. Shanting out. Catch you later. Oh.